Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We have finished Golden Sun, a, a brutal finish to Golden Sun. We're going to be covering it. This is our third episode. So the last, the last third of the book is mostly what we're going to be talking about. Maybe pulling in things from before that, but here we, here we go. Let's, let's first talk about, we've been doing like a Reddit post with maybe a question or two to see if anyone has any thoughts. We asked some questions about the obsidians for the last episode, uh, basically like what the stained are and, and how the four seasons, the, the, the touches work, how there's three touches for the seasons. And we got a few responses that were helpful uh, from Gavinus 1000 and another one from Starfleet Time Lord, uh, basically saying that the stained are like the best of the best for the obsidians, right? I think you could go into more detail about that, but that's the gist of it. There's nothing like crazy special about them. They're just the best of the obsidians, I guess. Exactly. And they've gone through some kind of trial process. Uh, Gavinus 1000 mentioned it's it's kind of analogous to the Peerless Scarred, right? Like they're obsidians, but they've gone through this like rigorous trial in order to prove that they're the best of the best. Exactly. So, okay, thanks for those comments. Uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming for the next episode. But, okay, you want to you wanna actually talk about, let's talk about the book that, that we just read. Before we talk about the book that we just read, Luke, did you pick up on this Tolkien reference that we got? Ooh, I don't know if I did. Okay. They're busting the jackal out of this kind of prison cell that he's in because he got captured during that raid. And Severo is at his cell door and he's like not opening it. And Dara's like, dude, open the door. Let the let Jackal out. And Severo's like, first, you have to answer a riddle. What's in my pocket? And the Jackal's like, okay, can we stop playing games and just let me out? And I'm like, no, the Jackal, did you read The Hobbit? Because you know what's in his pocket, first of all. And second of all, that's not a riddle, okay? It's still not a riddle. <laughs> it was never a riddle. You cheated. Severo. <laughs> but yeah, we get a little we get a little Hobbit reference there. The what's in my pocket. Ooh. You know what? That's a very good point. I hadn't thought about it at all. And it even with you talking about it for a minute, it I only just now figured out what you're talking right, about. Right, right. When when this is Bilbo is talking to Gollum, right? And he has right, the ring okay. in his pocket and they yeah. do that riddle competition. That's where that's calling Ooh. back to. Yeah. There we go. Good catch. Good catch there. It's a, um, it's also great that in this situation, the jackal is Gollum. <laughs> right. Very fitting, right? Think about think about what the jackal has done this whole book. Oh, yeah. Daryl, I'll be your guide. I'll help you out. I'll get you all the way to Mount Doom. And then you get to Mount Doom and Gollum tries to bite the ring off your finger and push you into the lava perfect analogy fuck you jackal <laughs> okay we're we're coming in hot i will say for the listeners 
you know, we in general cuss occasionally. I feel like this might be an, a, a language-heavy episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that that's gonna be the case, but we'll see. We'll see. Before we okay, we gotta start. We gotta start a little earlier though. Uh, okay, so I was gonna say that same moment, and a couple times during this like section, this this little this little mission that they're on. It's funny because Severo is kind of really annoying a couple of times here. And it's just, she goes to show you, you know, hit or miss for Severo. We normally love Severo, but he gets a couple misses here. Yeah, I think I always love Severo, but it's kind of because he doesn't know when to shut up, right? Mm. It's kind of like part mm-hmm. of it is you got to take the whole package with Severo. And he's not like Darrow. Like, he's not super smooth. He's not super, like, collected and cool. He doesn't really know what to say some of the time. And it's like, yeah, Severo, that weird song you sang to Pliny wasn't that cool. (laughs) It was kind of weird. Okay, that's a very good... That's a very good point that the the thing about Severo is the the reason that we love him is is because of because of these kind of things. Okay, okay, good point, good point. I'm going to I'm going to back us up a little bit. Um and the part that I want to talk about is when Darrow tells Ragnar that he is a red basically. Mm-hmm. And kind of recruits Ragnar into the rebellion, mm-hmm. right? There's a little hint of it that Ragnar has some skepticism on whether or not Darrow is telling the truth. I think I, if I'm Ragnar, I'm keeping that skepticism the whole time. Yeah. I feel like I'm never trusting him on this. That's too big. That's too big of a trap for me. It's a huge trap. And you've got to feel like you're being manipulated by the golds, right? You've got to feel like mm-hmm. this is a trap to try and like trick your color again because your color is like one of the biggest threats to the golds and the fact that the highest gold is like oh yeah no i'm a red we're on the same side take this take this razor blade take this razor here this illegal thing for you to carry and murder a bunch of golds good good now i'm going to use this as a justification to murder all the obsidians because i hate them it's like I mean, I mean, good, good, good for him for trusting. I just, it's, it's, it's a lot for Darrow to ask, I think, you know? It is a lot for Darrow to ask, but I feel like it's, it's very in character for people to, A, trust Darrow, even if, like, he didn't tell them that he was a red, because of the fact that, like, his actions kind of speak louder than anything he could reveal of who he was, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. you know, he respects all the colors. He did the thing when he took over the packs where he was like, I'm not going to kill you all. Go ahead and rise up and kill all the golds for me. And so I feel like his actions are showing him to be somebody who the low colors can trust. And the thing with the, the brown girl, when she's about to let, like, explode the emp and kill everybody and darrow's like no you can't kill her to severo 
Ragnar was there. Ragnar witnessed that. So he sees that mm-hmm. Darrow's different than the other golds. So regardless of whether or not Darrow tells him that he's a red, Ragnar definitely recognizes Darrow's different than a gold. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But you definitely keep that skepticism because like, you don't know what these people are capable of. They They gave you your religion, okay? They're fucking insane yeah it's it's hard to say speaking of like the kind of insanity of the golds when they take over the ship from pliny and the rage night well lorne and darrow are like walking up the table just like one of the most badass scenes in the book Mm -hmm. and lauren's like if anybody gets within two meters of darrow I will kill every last one of you. And then the one guy tries to make a lunge for Daryl and the guy next to him stabs him and kills him. Holy shit, guys. <laughs> like I Yeah, I, a lot of a lot of fear of Lorne here. Some right. are saying too much. <laughs> it's like, does anybody have a gun? <laughs> because I feel like that would work pretty well in this situation but but just the fact that he's like i'll kill all of you if anybody gets too close to like everybody's willing to stab their neighbor just because they're worried about this one guy damn that's power some respect there um (laughs) and they also i i think there is some kind of like plenty lied to them in some way right because I, I forget what exactly is said, but it makes it seem like the people that are there supporting Pliny originally thought that they thought something that different had happened. Darrow was happened. dead. Mm-hmm. They thought that Darrow was dead because Asia went to go kill him. And I think Pliny told them that Darrow was dead. Right? Because at that point, it's... It's kind of fascinating to me that Darrow is the one to go try and take the sovereign, because when the, when they're on, when they're doing that siege of Mars and Darrow's like the sovereign's the only one that matters. I gotta take her out, and then this whole thing will crumble. It's like the exact same thing with Darrow. Like Darrow is the only one that matters on the other side of this whole conflict, and so the fact that he's like, I have to go take out the sovereign, is just these two like things that are holding everything together for some reason they have to be the ones to take each other out um but in this case i feel like where Pliny is saying if Pliny's saying darrow's dead it's way easier for all of these lords to come to his side because they're like oh the whole thing's mm-hmm. over if darrow's dead right so I, I think that's part of why people didn't actually rush them like sure the lorne's lorne's thing about how he's going to kill everyone was a factor but i think everyone also upon seeing darrow was like oh dope darrow is back um but also you stab and kill this guy like i feel like you just grab his shirt collar and like sit down buddy <laughs> there's gotta <laughs> See, be Dan, a that's why way. you're not a gold <laughs> that's a good point also they kill they kill plenty very quickly um <laughs> That was interesting. One, another moment in this this very specific scene, some very good foreshadowing here. A quote, a quote from Darrow. 
what does all the power in the world matter if your closest friends can betray you? He's talking about, um, like, his ability to trust people and the fact that he has power because he can trust people. Very good little foreshadowing uh, foreshadowing for the end here. Oh, Darrow. Oh, Darrow. Mm. Yeah, that's actually a great point. Darrow talks all the time about how he can trust his friends and how, like, he keeps people close to him and that's how he's going to win. But, like, he definitely doesn't, right? It's this weird, like, he's pretending to have friends and to trust people. And he kind of means it. But also, he's for sure lying to literally everybody. Right. There's, there's like, two tiers, mm-hmm. I think. Right, right. Tier one is, like, trusting trusting them as if he was a gold. Yes. Which I will say I think he does. Like, if he were to be a gold, he would be different from the other golds because of the way he runs things. But there's this second tier of trust of telling people that he's a red, which, I understandably, he's not telling very many people. Um but it does it does open up a little bit of of a uh, of a difference there. Well, and he's using it to like lord over people in a way. He's like, yeah, plenty. That was your problem. You just didn't have any true friends. And it's like, Darrow, you don't have any true friends. <laughs> like you're well, you don't have many. Yeah, okay. We'll you that. have a few, but like most of them have no idea you're trying to overthrow the system and destroy the golds. Right, right. So, okay, let's let's keep it there. There's there's two tiers of of uh, trust, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, being trusting uh, Darrow, trusting people as if he was a golden Darrow, trusting people as a red. Um, let's. I want to keep that in mind for the for the end here. But let's 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 work our way up to that. Mm-hmm. So. Darrow's essentially a pro wrestler, right? Uh, ex- explain that to me a little bit. All right. Darrow loves a spectacle. He loves giving a big speech in front of everybody with the microphones, kicking a little wine over. <laughs> He's got rivals who seem to like fade away and come back. He seems to like fade away and come back. And he's got just these intense storylines of like deceit and all this stuff. I just feel like Darrow's a pro wrestler in his presentation of all of this stuff. He loves to make a big show and get the microphone in front of everybody and give a big speech about how he's going to crush you. I don't really watch that much pro wrestling, but... Uh, in in the, my quarantine, I've watched a few clips of some WWE stuff. I'm just getting such strong Darrow vibes with some of these speeches he's giving <laughs> in front of like people where he's like talking about why he's going to win and they're going to lose. And he's going to see you at, at Survivor Dome next Sunday night. <laughs> right. He, oh, well, you know, it's all about, it's all about optics. Which he okay. plays up so that. much. Yeah, exactly. The Jackal's like the freaking... plays it up a lot. Vince McMahon of this whole universe. Setting up these rivalries. Even at the end where it's like, ooh, is Roke and Jackal... Or is Roke and uh, Darrow, are they going to be rivals now? Now that, that Darrow won the Super Slam with a tag team partner of Roke. 
oh, what's going to happen next? <laughs> True. And Darrow does have, like, he has a certain degree of insecurities, but in general, he's very overly confident. Uh, well, I, I guess not necessarily overly confident, but very confident. He loves calling um, people out. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, and he, in his little inner monologue, he often, like we just talked about, has these things that makes him think that he's like much, much smart. Well, I don't know if smart is the right word, but better than other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which like, he kind of is in a lot of ways. <laughs> okay, he is in a lot of ways, but I think that's his like biggest downfall, right? Is that he thinks he's like the only one making plans and that nobody is ever going to figure out his plans, right and we see <laughs> this well we're gonna come back to this at the end of, of this podcast i'm sure but we see this at the end where jackal's like yeah your fucking plan where you tried to rescue those sons of aries from my basement yeah dude i fucking knew it was you when you did that what are you talking about <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a very good example and with mustang where he's like with Mustang, where he's like, he puts the radiation tracker on her, and he's like, oh, I got this all figured out. It's like, you don't, guy. She's right there. That's so true. That's so true. Um, it, it seems like... Here's a, here's something that I hadn't hadn't written down. That's that's This just made me think of it, but it's not completely related. And that's... Uh, Darrow's generation is crushing it here like okay there let's say there's a there's there was a draft you know there's a there's a big the nfl draft every year this year's draft or darrow's year's draft is like better than the last 60 years combined right right you've got a few standouts from the last 60 years like you've got lorn and you've got fitchner but like Everybody else seems to be trash. Luke, this year you've got Darrow, you've got Jackal, Mustang, Severo, Roke apparently is the greatest general of all time, Um, Cassius. Incredible. It's just, I don't know. Uh, But Uh, Luke, I think the reason why all these young people seem to be crushing it is because because they're young so it's the same idea where i think lorne is talking about this idea lorne and Carnus actually a few times mentioned the idea that those people that rise really high are like the first ones to die and people who go to mm. war and fight will just like die like that's what happens to them and so all the old Ooh. golds are the ones who just didn't die yet and so like <laughs> Like Darrow's generation just hasn't died yet. And so that's why they're they're rising is because a lot of them are going to die and there's going to only be very, very few at the top. Now, if the society and everything stays the same, that's what would happen, I think. But yeah, I think it's because that's they're a young. very good point. And that OK, yeah, yeah. And that that brings me back to something that we talked about in our first episode on Red Rising, I think about the reds actually and the hell divers where 
the good hell divers burn out really quickly right right that's a, okay yeah that's a that's a very good point the 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 super exciting celebrity stars just die <laughs> tough that's tough it's very tough um they're kind of asking for it if if i say so myself okay but uh but yeah also luke we find out in this book the last uprising the last like rebellion was 20 years before the events of this book that's pretty frequent right (laughs) it's pretty recent we we talked about this in our last episode but it sounds like this society isn't really running that well based on the number of uprisings that they have and the frequency which they have them. Aside from the fact that the current leader killed her father and basically took the throne, let's put that aside for like how ineffective this government functions. But like 20 years ago, you all, it almost collapsed. So... Maybe change something. Well, we we also talked about how potentially that's by design, you know? I guess, like, but... that That is kind of a survival of the fittest mindset that the golds sh- seem to have. I think that would be true if you were guaranteed that the rebellion was to put in power just like a different sovereign. But I don't think that's always necessarily the case. Like, I think if you have two warring factions of golds that are competing against each other, sure, whichever faction wins is probably just going to, like, continue on with how things have been going, but they're going to be the ones in charge. But when it's, like, the Obsidians, that's not what's going to happen, for sure. Mm -hmm. And granted, they did change a few things with how that society is structured, but I I feel like a lot of it's cosmetic. (laughs) slap it on a band-aid uh was the was the obsidian one that, that recently I, th- I got the sense that the obsidian uprising was like a long time ago yeah the obsidian uprising wasn't that recent for sure but just the fact that there are this many uprisings like one of these days you're gonna get a blue uprising or a green uprising where they're like yeah we just deleted all the money so <laughs> now how are you gonna fight yeah it's could be could be well i just wanted to point out again that this society it isn't functioning it's not a society right right okay let's i so okay most of my notes are from after the the big war battle whatever we're calling it but i do have a a couple from the actual fight yeah let's do that um the, okay, the first one that I have is actually kind of late in it, and that's the which I think is is potentially the most hyped I got during the book. And that's when when they're running through after they're like ambush and they're running through the city, Severo's like scouting for them, and he comes back and he's like, "You guys, we got the gate. Ragnar got the gate. Uh, he killed." the he killed one of the olympic knights and like crushed cassius and the uh the obsidians are going nuts that moment right for me 
got me so hyped. Just just the mental picture in my mind of like on the top of some battlements or something. Uh, Ragnar just dominating yes. a couple Olympic yes. knights and all of the obsidians in the army just l- absolutely losing it. That's right, a good the, image for me. The roar coming from down below as all of these gigantic obsidian warriors are just screaming at the top of their lungs as the biggest obsidian of all time just dominates two of these golds. And you can just feel the hype. Like the hype it gets beyond the book and just like gets in you. Yeah, dude. Incredible. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, man. I love that. I love that. And I love that, like, Severo was pretty into it. Severo was like, yeah, the Obsidians are going manic right now. <laughs> mm. Great. Most most hyped moment in the book for me. It was so hype. Absolutely. What wasn't very hype is they decided for Darrow's secondary call sign, they were going to go with Icarus. Guys, you know, you know what that story is, right? enlighten us so icarus is like hey i'm a prisoner so i'm gonna make some cool some cool wings with my dad and then with these wings i'm gonna escape the prison but while i'm doing that i'm gonna fly really high because it's nice up there and it's a sunny beautiful day and when i fly too high the sun melts my wings and i drown in the ocean my dad's really sad about it i'm icarus here's okay okay Here's here's what you're what you're not thinking about, and why that's a very good what's a very good call sign uh-huh. is because when you hear that and you know the story of Icarus, you're like, that's probably not Darrow. I'm not gonna go after him. That's not Darrow. Darrow's name is like Achilles. Okay, no, it can't be Achilles either. You know why, Luke? What happens to freaking Achilles? Let me tell you the story about Achilles, Luke. <laughs> Achilles is like, hey, I'm a dope fighter, and I don't really care about why we're at war. I just like fighting, and and I'm the best <laughs> at it. And so I'm going to fight everyone and defeat everyone until the very end when I get an arrow through my foot and get massacred and die. Right, right. Which I, I will say, ooh, I will say the the story of Darrow had Fitchner not saved him would be kind of Achilles-ish, which I, I think is on purpose because the chapter in which he jumps on the shuttle is called Achilles. But you're right. The ending of that does not make you want to call Darrow Achilles. So Right. And if uh, I'm picking a little a, back and forth there. If I'm picking a call sign for myself, I'm not picking one that is like super related to my life and ends in tragedy. I'm I'm not doing that because I'm like, hey, if I am in a book right now, like I know what's going to happen when I choose this call sign. Okay, but but all of the stories end in tragedy. <laughs> no, they don't. Not all of them, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't There's got to be not. some, right? There's got to be a few. <laughs> a few good ones, probably. Maybe you're like, um, I'd like to call but... me Jar Jar. Call me Jar Jar. Yeah, that's it. That was a fun story. Jar Jar ended up happy, maybe. I don't know. Definitely didn't die in a terrible way. True. True. I think you just need... You um, You pick a different call sign, buddy. Okay. 
Fair enough. Let's or, learn from that. Or if you're not picking your call sign, you've got to be a little pissed at the person who did, right? If you're like, oh, like in the middle of the battle, you're like, oh, you went with Icarus. Okay, well, if everything turns out fine, it doesn't really matter. And then at the end of everything, it's like paralleling the story of Icarus. And you go to that dude and you're just like, what the fuck? Why did you, why did you do that? <laughs> do you see where I am now? I am Icarus. You did that to me. I'm a little suspicious suspicious of that guy, too. You know? You gotta be. Especially if he knows his call sign when he's doing this, like, this skydiving move where half of the people just get murdered without any, without, like, any uh, scale on their part. It's like, that's not a good sign for this, for this super, super dangerous task that I've been assigned. Uh, yeah i like to think they told him like as soon as they loaded him in the in the rail gun that shot him to the planet they were like and your call sign's icarus bye (laughs) it's like hold on can we change that probably oh man uh related to that scene though we loved the little friend conversation that they had over the comms right before he got launched onto the planet that i feel like was one (laughs) of the last really like good moments between our whole squad before things went to shit where you just had them all like palling around just like it was the institute when they were all friends and having fun and just like being kids you know kids being kids and it was just it was such a nice moment and i knew during that moment i was like this is not gonna end well because like this is too nice but it's a nice moment all of those little little like bickering joking around with each other scenes are great you know they definitely are great but over time they start to have like an ominous tone for me because it's always like ooh, when is this all gonna fall apart (laughs) right they're they're definitely a a bad sign (laughs) because it's like if something nice is happening it's gonna go south soon (laughs) right that's just kind of the rule at this point kind of the rule at this point okay uh back to the back to the little battle um dara running up to the shuttle was just like so dumb (laughs) and i get that that's the point of it but i was when he was doing this i was like this seems too dumb i assume he has some kind of plan and it's gonna and it's gonna actually be smart because that's that's been the way of it, right? But it just it it was just dumb, right? Which I was surprised by. He was like, "Hey, Severo, I know you're the only one with the magic gravity flying boots. Use those to take me over this wall, so I can go run after this shuttle, and then use them to try and lift our whole squad over, so we can all just run after this shuttle, not." Hey, Severo, with the magic flying gravity boots, go plant a bomb on that shuttle while we wait and, like, chill here because you've got magic flying boots. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was, uh, he he got caught up in the moment, I guess. Uh, it did lead us, it did lead us to our reveal of who Ares is. Supposedly. Um, which we were... Which we, which we were 
not correct about, I'll say, I'll say not correct. We, I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back a little bit, Luke. We were a little correct because we knew it had to be a gold. That, okay. You're moving the goalposts a little bit. Uh, but we, yes, we, we were did right say about the it fact was a gold. It had to be a gold. We did say it was a gold for sure. So, okay, we'll give us we'll we'll give us a participation trophy. We, um, I live for those. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised that we didn't guess Fitchner after after the reveal. I was like, of course it's Fitchner. Right. I know. I know. It it was to the point where I was like. Did we, in one of our past episodes, maybe put Fitchner's name up for contention? And I went back and listened. We didn't. We never guessed it was Fitchner. We talked a lot about Fitchner in our past episodes, but we never were like, maybe this guy's Aries. And I think it was like, the reason why was because Aries didn't really come into play when Fitchner was kind of a, an important figure in the book. Like, Aries was important at the mm. beginning of Red Rising, and kind of at the uh, beginning of, beginning and middle of Golden Sun. But when you were getting a lot of Fitchner scenes, there was almost nothing about Ares. And so it's, it was hard to kind of put those two together, I think. Also, because Fitchner seemed kind of lame. Yeah. Fitchner seemed kind of lame a lot of the time. And I just, I guess I imagined Ares as being way more cool. Yeah. Which yeah, I think that's fair. I but... I don't know if it makes does it make Fitchner more cool or Aries less cool? I'm trying to decide. I I think it makes Fitchner more cool. Because I'm I'm playing some of his what we thought as like lameness as a a role that he was maybe as, playing as like cover so that nobody would kind of catch on yes Mm -hmm. um so i think i think i'm very pro fitchner Mm -hmm. okay which of course of course anyone reading this book is of course pro fitchner yeah we're all pro fitchner not a hot um, take luke come on but but i think this gives me a very high opinion of fitchner rather than like a lower opinion of aries if that's what you were asking okay i definitely agree with you it does give me a higher opinion of fitchner but then I wonder, I wonder about Fitchner's interactions with Darrow and the Institute. Like when Fitchner was, and, and we did talk a lot about what, why Fitchner was doing the things he was doing in the Institute. And like, maybe he was trying to do it to toughen up the people of Mars um, and like see how far he could push Darrow. But now I'm kind of like trying to decide if Fitchner was, trying to toughen up Darrow or if he was actually trying to protect him because he didn't think he could do all of these things, right? Like now I'm trying Mm -hmm. to decide if when Fitchner told Darrow, hey, you really shouldn't go after Apollo. Like this is not a good move. If that was Ares being like, hey, maybe don't do this, Darrow. This is kind of crazy. Or if it was Ares being like, hey, let's see what this person does under pressure. Like, let's see. Mm Mm-hmm if Darrow is going to like rise beyond what I'm like asking him to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to reread Red Rising knowing that Fitchner is Ares now. Mm-hmm. Just to to more analyze 
what he does because it's been a while and I don't quite remember a lot of it. But I'm sure there's some some cool little nuggets in there if you were to reread it. Yeah. It's also just great too that Darrow's like wondering who Ares is this whole time and he like punched him in the gut and stole all his equipment at one point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ooh. This would be this would be a series that's very fun to reread. I yeah, think. I think you could get a lot of enjoyment from rereading uh, the Red Rising series, because yeah, a lot of good reveals that that I'm sure if you read them back, kind of like how when Darrow has this cool plan, you want to read it back and be like, oh, that's why he did that thing. Like I feel like this series lends itself yeah. well to that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, I I am done with my notes for the battle. Yeah. Let's let's get past the battle. It was a very epic battle. I will say that. It was a very epic battle, uh, but we just we've got we've got too many things to talk about outside of the battle. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move to the scene at Jackal's new place. Okay. Yes, I want to go there too. Okay. Um, and the first thing is. Well, okay, so after reading now, we know that this is where the jackal figures out that Darrow is a red, right? Yes. And from what I can tell, there's nothing, like, obvious, right? Like, I don't think Darrow says bloody damn or there's some super obvious thing that gives the spark to jackal. Well, no, Luke. Uh, Darrow gave him a box that said, hi, jackal, I'm a red, and this whole thing is to create an uprising against the golds. And it was one of those little cards, you know, those little pop-out cards. And when you opened it, it was like, uh-huh. surprise! And like little confetti shot out. Right. That okay, was what was in that box. That, so, so my note is what was, what was Jackal's gift. Because they, they, it cuts off right when he says, right when he looks into it. And he has, he has a little like pause here. And I'm assuming he's going to say, like, Darrow, you shouldn't have or something like that. Right. Um, So it seems like it was a good gift, right? Yeah. But the fact that we cut off and don't know what it is makes me... It has to be like a hint that this what's in this box is kind of important. Okay, it definitely is important. It definitely is important. Uh, I don't think what's in the box gives Darrow away. I don't think that's it. I think what gives Darrow away is the fact that he like shows up at Jackal's house and like within 20 minutes, the sons of Ares that are being kept as like, and being interrogated escape like Mm -hmm. Darrow. That's not a great, I don't think that's a great plan. Like that implicates you a lot in this. And you're dealing with somebody that like everybody around you is saying, hey, this guy's super smart and you shouldn't trust him or deal with him. Like, Darrow, just because you came up with a plan doesn't mean no one's going to catch on. Like, you're not going to pull out a fake Nerf gun and pretend to shoot at Severo for 10 minutes and convince the Jackal <laughs> that that you are in on the plan. Why didn't you pull out your right. razor blade and cut the person? Why did you pull out a gun? What? There's so many problems with this plan. Okay, and so I think it was the plan that gave away Daryl. I think it was the fact that he. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So then this leads us to the question of what's in that box, Luke. I know. 
my what is in the box? My first thought: Do you think it's Pliny's other eye and a bottle of hot sauce? <laughs> Jacko's reaction would make that <laughs> would make that very funny. Um, and Dara's like, I know you've wanted this for a while, so enjoy. I know you've got a taste. I know you've got a taste for these kind of things now. Um, yeah, no, that could be it. Well, here's something we've, there's a lot of moments in here that I'm realizing now just lend so well to a what's in the box reference. Uh, Of course. Yeah. This is like, this is, there's like four times in this book alone that you have to think about what's in the box. Right? Yeah. This moment, uh, earlier with, with the the game that we that we had to speculate about at the end when it's Fitchner's head, so many what's in the box moments. Um, this being the most mysterious of all because we still don't know. I am I the only one? And this is jumping, kind of connecting this to the end. Am I the only one that thinks that is still hoping that Jackal is is on Darrow's side? yeah would that be wild that's wild luke i mean i i explain how how i don't have i don't have anything i don't have anything it's a gut it's a gut feeling i want it to be the case um i know it's probably not i feel like it's not i feel like it's not because why would he do that right i like it just can't be, Luke. It can't be. He's gone too far. He's gone too far this time. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think that Jackal cares about the hierarchy. Mm, like, yeah, of any of the so. golds, other than, like, Severo, for example, I think Jackal is least likely to care about the, the hierarchy of golds being on top mm-hmm. and is most receptive to a... a an uprising assuming that he can benefit personally from it right that's the thing though is that's it's assuming he can benefit personally from it right right how please explain to me how the jackal is going to benefit personally from the reds rising up and being like hey golds fuck off (laughs) i i don't know i i don't know exactly but i'm I'm here for it, and I'm expecting the it. The reason why you want it to be true, Luke, is there's always another plan, right? We're always assuming there's a greater plan, and that greater plan is working out in Darrow's favor. And this is Darrow's problem. This is exactly the problem I was talking about before. Darrow's always like, my plans are the ones that are going to succeed, and nobody else is going to figure out what my plans are, because everything's working out for Darrow. Everything's working for Darrow. And that's what caused this whole freaking problem at the end is Darrow is like, no, I've got it under control. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But it's like, there's <laughs> there's a whole other book. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole other book, and then more books after that. Like, it works out, right? <laughs> we don't know, Luke. We don't know. If you couldn't tell, Luke and I are freaking out <laughs> about the ending of this flippin' book. And I'll say this, I'm this very flippin'. glad that we're not reading this series in, like, concurrently like when it's being published because how right. terrible would that be this this was my this was my last note 
is just that I I would hate to read it as it was coming out to to read this and know that it, it's going to be like another two years. I'm sorry to all of you that read this at the at the time of publication because we get to just start the next book and I I don't think I would be able to make it if I wasn't able to do that. That'd be tough. It would be tough, Luke. I imagine on par to to how the Reds experience has been. You know. Like I imagine a revolution was almost was almost incited. Um Speaking of a revolution in the Reds, who who tipped off the Bologna about the tunnel? I was curious about that too. Because they and... knew it was there, right? Right. I don't know. And they seemed to know that it was going to be incredibly important. You know, they were like perfectly prepared for it. So like But they didn't know that the people in the plan were important. So they didn't know all of it. Right. Probably. Or they just assumed that they were already taken care of, right? I'm skeptical of okay. that. Okay, okay, okay. But it's a possibility. Putting that aside, though, let's assume they didn't know who was going to come out of the water. They still knew there was a tunnel down there. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a too much for them to just, like, have been doing a regular maintenance check on the tunnels the night before the incursion and been like ah, is there a new hole there did you see that hole there last time so i feel like yeah, somebody had to have fair. tipped them off who was it i don't know because so f- like so few people knew of this plan right mm-hmm. this, except for it was like what mustang severo and the sons of aries right so i'd have to think that it would be someone in the sons of aries but but also, I, I've i never been a, like, strategist in a war, surprisingly. <laughs> but if, I will say, if I'm, like, in charge of a city's defenses, we've got this great big wall and this big dome that's, like, you're not really, you're, you're going to struggle to get through that. But we do have these tunnels with some grates on it. I think I do check those. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's unheard of for them to the night before the big battle to go down there and be like, oh, yeah, there's some holes down there. Luke, Darrow's legions will crash like waves against the breaching wall of Helm's Deep, but they will not be able to penetrate through its fortifications. Okay. Oh, did I say Helm's Deep? Oh, shoot. I meant... (laughs) I meant this city. Okay. We all know there's nothing, no problems with having a grate in your big fortified wall. This has been known forever. <laughs> um, okay, I do think it's fair that they checked that. That's a good point. But I feel like you don't take the risk and leave it open. Like, you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to come through that hole. And it turns out to just completely fuck them over. So, like, if you know there's a hole there, you definitely fill it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I just feel like they were tipped off by somebody. Okay, yeah. Let's. Well, I, I think it would be... We would have to guess that it would be, like, someone in the Sons of Aries. I would think. Yeah. But we don't know who... We don't know enough about the Sons of Aries. Yeah, so. that's where I'm um, leaning. Okay. 
I want to talk about Darrow's trip to the mines. We got to. Got to. Um, first, a little a little small note here. The gamma miners are plants. As in, like, they know the game. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Not, not plants like the... The things they grow from the ground, like they're planted in there. They know they know the game. They know what they're. Which is interesting that like they intermingle with the actual reds and like marry them. Interesting, interesting there. Uh-huh. But there, it's just a little aside thing. Um, this whole scene in general was done very well. However, I have a big qualm, Mm. a very significant qualm with the overall reveal of Darrow, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And, okay, so the the whole thing about this is that he's, one, going down there to, like, get the blessing of AO and just, like, get more motivation. But the other goal is to tell um, Mustang that he is a red very risky Mm -hmm. very risky but he needs to do it and i hate how it happened okay and i and i'm curious to see how much you agree or disagree with me on this okay and okay let me let me lay out my case in my opinion after we got through like the first let's say half of red rising Mm -hmm. the first book my thoughts on the like point of the story the the build up the final like moment that i would be looking for at the end of the series like the most important biggest moment was not when they win in my mind the biggest moment was when darrow gets to do a dope reveal that he's a red to someone uh-huh. And there's a number of people that that could be. Uh, obviously, we didn't know Mustang at the time, um, but she was an op. She's an option now. I was thinking that like that moment would be to the arch governor. Um, I don't know who, but that to me was the was the pinnacle of the story that I was looking forward to. Interesting. Okay. And I think it's just it's absolutely criminal that we don't get a better reveal to, to Mustang. Okay. The other thing with this is at the end of this book, everyone knows that Darrow is a red. So we have, we have no more opportunities for a reveal. Well, okay. Hold on. Uh, We don't know. Okay. So Jackal and Roke are pretty sure he's a red, right? But now it's like a game of rumors, right? They don't have evidence. So you're going to be like, that might be a rumor that gets thrown out, but I I feel like it's not, it's not common knowledge yet. Right. I, I, I guess we don't know how many people know. Yes. Yes. And if they have the evidence they need to just like prove it to everybody else. Right. Like this is something that anybody could say about anybody in this freaking universe. And it even sounds kind of absurd, right? Like, Mustang's like, you can't do that. Like, I don't know how you did that. You can't do that. And so it sounds absurd. 
Yeah, okay, yes, but like that's the that's the reason that the reveal would be so great, right? Like the even if there's a rumor out there that people don't believe, that still takes a lot away from any potential reveal. Yes, I agree. That happens. Plus the the person that I think that the reveal would have been most effective on and most exciting for me to read would have been Nero, Arch Governor mm-hmm. Augustus. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not happening. Um, the next people that it would be would be like the Sovereign, which is like, I don't really care that much about the Sovereign. I don't know. I just... <sighs> this might not be the case for everyone, but for the last book and a half, I have been like single-mindedly focused on this reveal and like it happening in a certain way and I'm, I was very disappointed with the way that it happened and with the fact that it can't happen anymore. And I don't know, I'm disappointed. Mm. It's rough for me. Mm. Like it went from a top tier book to me for, to dropping down like a good bit just because that was, that was the whole thing for me. <laughs> very interesting, Luke. Very interesting. So like, okay. I agree with you to a certain extent. I was excited for that reveal when, like, Darrow's triumphant, the, like, society is changing, and they're, like, doing what they want, and he's like, and guess what? I was a red the whole time. Boom! Freaking blow your minds, all you golds. And so, yes, that that moment is not going to happen anymore because, like, that it's already kind of out there. You're right. I really liked this reveal to Mustang. Okay. I really liked it because I think her response was very good. Like, okay, okay, okay. Let, let me say that the argument between them was very good. Yes, outstanding. And when Ragnar comes into it, into play too, like that scene was incredible. And so yes. for me... Yeah, yeah. The, ar- <laughs> the argument between them is great. They both play it very well. Uh, the scene with with Darrow's mom is also great. So, a lot of the 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 parts during this section of the book were great, and I really liked it. But the the <laughs> just that one moment, I needed it, and we don't the like it could have been maybe not in the way that I was explicitly picturing it but it still could have been good. But the fact that we didn't get to be there for her under for her reveal, for Mustang to learn that Darrow is a red. We were not there for the moment that she figured it out. Mm-hmm. And that's brutal to me. It is brutal. We were there pretty shortly afterwards. I'll say that. Um, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> All right, well, we're learning now that Luke had very specific expectations for this series. Uh, and unfortunately, I did. Pierce Brown isn't a mind reader, so. <laughs> and I'm frustrated with it. Okay. I want to talk a lot more, actually, about this scene where Dara goes back home. Because this is something that's for me, has been building up for this whole series. Like, this was a huge moment in the series for me because he's been like, constantly thinking about ao and life back home and his family and all this stuff and i was so excited to see him go back 
and get that kind of cathartic moment where he gets to go home. And like when his mom recognized him, that hit me so hard. That was like the, like such a good moment. Cause you just imagine all the shit Darrow's been through, but his mom still recognizes him. Like he's like changed in so many ways, but he still gets recognized. Ooh, incredibly touching. Um, but le- I kept wondering, Darrow talks a lot about how his upbringing made him better than the golds and makes him stronger, how he's a hell diver and he's suffered through all this stuff. When the person in charge of the mine is talking about the like instruction manuals that he's been following in order to keep the reds under control, that's got to cheapen Darrow's experience a little bit, right? Where he's like, oh yeah, I've been pumping pheromones in there like crazy. They've been breeding like rabbits. <laughs> I've got the pit viper vipers migrating through every so often to bite some of them. I'm, I've got it all under control here. Every aspect of their lives I'm basically manipulating to be, to keep them chill. Uh, th- hearing that as Darrow, you've got to be a little like, oh, so when I got bit by a pit viper, that was because... It wasn't like random chance and fate. It was like you sending pit vipers into the mine to keep me. Ah, okay. So I guess thanks to you. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of that's got to hit if he thinks about it deeply. And the one that I think should hit the most is the pheromones one. To be like, wait, was Ao not actually that hot? (laughs) But okay, okay. (laughs) <laughs> she did no, smell not, like rust but, and dirt so oh <laughs> uh and, and i really i really liked the the part from i think it's like his mom that's talking about that's, that kind of talks about how ao wasn't actually that great i i thought that that was a nice touch to like humanize her a lot more mm-hmm. thought that was good mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> yeah, Derry doesn't really react to the fact that his whole life was manipulated. I I will say he probably knew already from like his studies as a gold, but still. But hearing should the, be big. Hearing the extent of the manipulation and that this guy was just following the like managing a colony of reds for dummies manual in order to do it. You've got to be a little like, oh, all that cool shit I did was out of a stupid book that this guy was just following damn okay oh yeah although i will say there's the moment that the 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 guy the copper says that like his mine the people are a little wilder which makes them better miners which is interesting and i would i would i want to get a little a little fact check from someone later in the in the book to see if if Darrow's mind was actually like more productive than other ones. Right. I feel like he's doing a little marketing. He's doing a little, yeah, a little, uh, he's, he's got a little tagline for his mind because he's trying to save his, his but it would be cool if it was true. Yeah. Okay. It would be cool, but, uh, it's probably just the pheromones that they're pumping into the air. (laughs) Could, could just be the pheromones. The pheromones were key, uh, very formative for Darrow uh back to the scene with darrow's mom very touching scene i loved that scene i also loved 
how Darrow's mom was like, what the fuck are you going to even do if you win, Darrow? Yeah, Darrow, sure, I get it. We're chained up and this is bad. But, like, what's even going to be different? Like, do you have a plan for a government when you when this is all over? Like, how are we going to have jobs? Where am I going to live, Darrow? And Darrow's just like, she doesn't get it. <laughs> I was like, no, Darrow. Like, that's not, she for sure that's gets not it. not for me to say. <laughs> she for sure gets it, Darrow. Because, like, sure, you're going to, like, let all the reds free. Then what? Well, then what? Sure, you're going to let all the reds out of the mines. And then you're going to just say, okay, now go find a job, I guess. And it's like, what do you mean go find a job? I I was living underground for like 50 years. Okay, I can't just learn a new skill set. And like, no, what do you mean? <laughs> okay, okay. But I'm, I'm on Darrow's side here. And here's the, here's the thing. Like... Let's take her, Darrow's mom's thing as true, that most of the people here are just going to keep being minors. Yeah. That's still better. It's like, not. It's they're not. They're not going to be, like, they're not going to be, like, at the mercy of whoever would have to, like, sell their bodies for medicine anymore. No, but they probably would. That's the thing. It's just then they would be working for, like, 10.95 an hour like a paycheck instead of thinking that they were working to colonize the solar system for a dying human race like they're being fed a lie right now but it makes their work seem better than if they were just minimum wage workers being like well i'm just doing this because it's the only job i know and i get paid like very little right like you can't just you can't transition them from hey you're doing this for a noble cause to help the whole human race to hey you're doing this for 1095 an hour no that's terrible maybe they need a they need a green new deal you know get them out the mine get them installing solar panels why are we not using solar at this point <laughs> No, I just think no, okay. no, Darrow's mom is so right. Point. He needs a plan for what comes after. Okay, okay. I agree with you to a certain extent. I think they're both right, though. Okay, yeah, obviously they're both right, Luke. This is a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, You're right. They can't okay, be enslaved. I'm... It's not a good thing for them to be enslaved. But she raises a good point with like, what's the society going to look like afterwards? Are we going to run anarcho-communism? Are we going to have like a capitalist free market system? What's this going to look like, Darrow? I need the specifics. It's, it's, a, it's a valid point. Um, but I think it's missing the forest for the trees. Or the, or the trees for, the, I don't know which one. Either one. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Are you ready to get to to climb back up to the surface? Yeah, let's get back up onto the surface. Okay, the last scene, the the brutal last five percent of the book, where everything's going well, and then we get the turn. Mm-hmm. First, something really small, something really small. When he's talking to Augustus, when Augustus is like uh, asking him to be his son and revealing 
his plan that he is willing to like sacrifice everything to make sure that the human race continues on. Um, there's apparently only 18 billion in the impact. In I have Empire. this note too. It seems low. It seems incredibly low, Luke. How are there only 18 <laughs> I don't billion have that much people? About it. We're already at like eight. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, like there have got to have just been so many people constantly dying from these rebellions, right? It's got to be just people killing billions of people. Yeah. Because is, is the is the earth still populated or is it like gone? Yeah, the earth, the earth's still populated for sure. They just conquered it. Okay. 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 That's what I thought too, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah. 18 billion seems low. I'm not sure. But and um, it spread out over the solar system, right? <laughs> right. Like, obviously, people are not living on Saturn, but they're living on Saturn's moons. And think about this, Luke. Think about this. Right now, right now, there's like 8 billion people. Okay, maybe it's 7 billion. It doesn't matter. The point is, right now, our population lives on one planet. Okay? One planet. And we're doing like, okay. You're telling me, with the resources spread out over the entire solar system, with like double to triple of our current population, you still are like enslaving people? I feel like that's the opposite of how it should be happening. Like, I feel like there's plenty of room for people to live. Like, all the reds should be able to come out and live. Like, give them 40 acres. There should be that room. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I this government sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. 18 billion seems low. Let's leave it there. Um, I want to talk about the the betrayals between... So, so really, the betrayal happens from Roke and Jackal, right? Those are the... I don't know if really anyone well, else and the Julii family. The Julii family turns on them as well at the end because Victra. No, it was just this, just the sister Antonina or whatever. Oh, you're right. It was just Antonina. You're right. Antonia, whatever her name is. Um, and what's interesting to me about this is there's been a lot of, I wouldn't even call it foreshadowing because it was so obvious. More like foretelling um, about Roke and Jackal. And the the rogue part of it was like Darrow's been kind of mistreating Roke, kind of taking him for granted. It's at a certain point, Roke is going to turn on him because of that. And then for Jackal, it was like he's obviously only out for himself, doesn't care for anyone. You've been warned a bunch of times not to trust him because he's going to he's going to like betray you as soon as it's good for him. The reason that the betrayal happened hap is like not because of that, right? Because the reason the betrayal happened is because they found out that Darrow was a red. So like none of that foreshadowing really mattered in my mind. I mean, maybe it would have happened down the line anyway, mm -hmm. but as soon as Roke and Jackal find out that Darrow's a red, they're turning on him regardless. 
And they even like, I think there's a scene, I don't remember if it was in this book or, or a different or an earlier book, but Darrow specifically is like, yeah, Roke is not going to join me because he believes too much in the golds. So it's like, they, this betrayal happened, but it doesn't like, it's not Darrow's fault. You know what I mean? Like all of that buildup was not the cause of the betrayal. Okay. We don't actually know if they were planning to betray Darrow anyway. And this whole red thing was just a thing that they tacked onto it to make it to sweeten the pot. Or if they're doing this because they found out Darrow's a red, it's not clear if this was the plan before they found out Darrow was a red or not. Okay. We should say that. But I also do love how everyone's constantly telling Darrow what to do and is constantly completely wrong. Right. Everyone's like, don't trust Jackal. He's going to turn on you. Don't trust him. And granted, yes, he does turn on him, but it like, it's probably not for a reason that anybody anticipated. Additionally, even going back to red rising, you have Nero being like, hey, these relationships you make in the Institute don't matter and they're going to disappear as soon as you leave and go onto the starship. And who are, who are our main players right now? Who are our main players that did this turn? It's fucking the Jackal again. It's Antonia, who has like constantly been a nag, like a, a gadfly, kind of. Just like a terrible, like a wasp against Darrow. And Roke. These are all people from the Institute. So, like, nobody who's giving Darrow advice knows what the fuck they're talking about. But they kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's, uh... It was very rough, though. It was very rough. Especially considering... Because this is, like, the one time that I let my guard down. You know what I mean? Like, we talked about it earlier... Anytime things are going well, I'm sure that something's coming right around the corner. But this is the one time that I thought, okay, this went well. The book's going to end and we're going to be in a good spot. And then boom. I know. Do you think, Luke? Damn it, Pierce. Do you think Darrow is ever going to get the laurel? Do you think he's ever going to win the laurel? (laughs) That's, uh, That's what this is all about. He just can't catch no. a break. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. Um, okay, put me down. Put me down on the Jackal's going to come out on Darrow's side. This is an ex- Put me down for it. Such a I'm, hot take. I feel good. Never. I'm never, <laughs> never put me down for this. No way. I, I want to see what was in the box. Um... The also it was a it was a leather box. What is a leather box? Is this dumb for me? <laughs> I imagine it's just like a wood box covered in leather. Darrow wanted to match Jackal's aesthetic, okay, and he was like, okay, it's very minimalist, okay. Fair. very metal and leather. Yeah, it looks it looks great. It does look um, great. Uh, I don't. The only way the Jackal's coming back is if we have a little Tactus turn, where. Darrow's like, I can change him. I can make him, like, want to be better. That's the only way the Jackal's coming back. No, no. I think there is... I think... Here we go. On the fly. What was in this box was 
something that Darrow intentionally revealed to Jackal about him being a red. And uh, Jackal is, is joining sides with him, but not in the way Darrow wanted him to. Be, to and it's eventually going to gonna rebound to Darrow's favor. Calling it now. All right. So a mysterious thing you're saying. Great. That's really good. It's a great take. Why was it? Why don't we know what was in the box? <laughs> why would? I don't know. I don't know. That's where. That's where I'm okay. at. Okay. All right. Well, we'll li- listeners keep your eye out for, in the next book for what was in that gosh darn box and why did it cause Jackal to do this thing? What did? If it did. What did Darrow have in there? We gotta know. Last thing I want to talk about, and this is a general thing with this book and with this series is the motivation for the society forming. So Nero talks to Darrow a little bit about this at the end, that people were like lazy and robots were doing all the work for them. And we were just kind of like stagnating and the society came and was like preserving mankind's future. And so Nero was essentially, this is the, this is, a reaction to like robotics and artificial intelligence is what the society kind of came to be. That's not really going to work. And the reason why it's not going to work is like the reason why robots and AI like come about is because they make like jobs easier. So if, if I'm like a wealthy industrialist, and I want to make more money. I don't hire a bunch of reds. Or I don't enslave a bunch of reds. I just build a robot that's 20 times faster than a red. You're not... If you have an economy where people buy and sell things, you're not stopping robots, okay? Some fucking Quicksilver's out here building an army of robots right now, okay? You, you're sleeping on Quicksilver, which... <laughs> I will say I think we're going to get some more Quicksilver because we haven't. Quicksilver is very interesting and we've yet to hear anything about him aside from the fact that he's got a lot of money. Okay, don't sleep on Quicksilver. But like Quicksilver is for sure out here with an army of robots because like what are you? You're not stopping people from doing that. That you know of. Right, but like if the technology exists, someone's going to use it for their advantage. Like there are no rules. What do you There are no rules. <laughs> There's robots out there. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Um it's like a, this this is getting late for us to get into this. But uh where do you draw the line on what a robot is? Also, so I'm going to say for the purposes of this book, the robots they're concerned about are like artificial intelligences that will destroy people. Okay. I'm going to say they're worried about like sci-fi AI robots that are going to like Skynet and take over. That's what they're worried about. The problem is like that's a side effect of making a robot that's really good at building a car. Or a robot that's really good at investing. That's just like a side effect. So like, it's like a Pandora's box, essentially. Like, if the technology exists to make a robot, 
and the incentive is there to make that robot, which is you can make a lot of money, somebody's going to do it. It's like the whole society is built on this absurd idea that they can have starships, but they won't have any robots who are dangerous. What are you doing? (laughs) That's that's fair. Um, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) That's just my personal, like problem with their whole like rationale behind it like we need to have red slaves so we don't have robots in ford factories making ford trucks all right we need real people labor yeah for sure i'm sick of it i i i get it just give the reds a stipend (laughs) luke i'm heated dan's heated I'm upset that you didn't come along with me on my, on my, uh, critique of the the reveal. No, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm so against it. My my I like. <laughs> I I wasn't thinking about a movie for this, but after the reveal was not what I wanted, I was like, we got to make a movie, <laughs> just for the reveal. Luke's out here trying to rewrite. Okay. I want what a movie from Mustang's perspective where she, she gets the reveal from Darrow and you're seeing it from her perspective. That's what I want now. All right, Luke. Well, you know, I and not the shitty and not the shitty reveal where she just like watches a video of Darrow getting carved. That's terrible. Don't give me that. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, we, we've heard Luke's review of, uh, of Golden Sun. Uh, apparently, apparently he didn't love the reveal. <laughs> no, I, I liked it. Okay, I was also... I liked it, but I didn't love the reveal. <laughs> Fair enough. I love this book. Uh, I couldn't stop reading it. I intentionally would wait to read it until Friday before we recorded it every week because I read the whole third. Like, each time I would read it in, like two days so incredible i'm sucked in luke i think i think we need to read the next the next book right gotta read the next book i'm holding out on my full my full thoughts until the next book yeah i think we'll give full reviews on the series after the next book and so we're gonna read morning star by pierce brown you know him luke hates him next (laughs) week so you're welcome. We don't have to wait to find out what the fuck happens to Darrow and all of our good friends. And, you know, tweet at us. Send us an email. We'd love to hear your hot takes. And if you're a dumb nerd.